Have you got a great product or something you believe is a great product that you're just struggling to get the market to realize is what it needs? Does it feel like you're beating your head against a brick wall? It's always worth checking that you're not trying to sell a Betamax video. Hey, this is Richard. Welcome to the Pandemic Startup. One of the things that I think about and I've talked about with clients when it comes to sales and marketing of products and thinking about your product and your niche, and, and I've talked to colleagues about it, and there's people in my life probably sick of hearing me say this, um, but it relates to the Betamax video. And, and I don't know how many people are old enough to remember the Betamax video or videos in general. Um, who listen to this, but pre-DVD, through the, I guess the 70s, certainly through the 80s, that's when I remembered it as a, as a young lad in the 80s, into the 90s when DVD started to take over, there were two main formats of video. There were, there were numerous formats, but there were two main ones. There was VHS, which was JVC's format, and there was Betamax, which was Sony's format. And most people had one or the other. There were a couple of other niche ones, but most people had Betamax or VHS. Now, Betamax was, on the face of it, probably the better of the two because, reputedly, the, the recording quality and the playback quality, if you were taping things off the TV and recording over and again, was better. And the cassettes were smaller, quite a bit smaller than, than the bigger clunkier VHS machine and cassettes. Video cassettes weren't small things anyway, but Betamax were smaller and more compact. So it had got a couple of key advantages. And the only thing is, hardly anybody bought them. And I speak of someone, it's, it's probably over-egging it slightly to say, a painful memory, but I speak as someone who, for years, the only video in our house was a Betamax. And my dad did his homework, as he does when he's making such a purchase, on the happy day in the 80s when we were finally going to become a family that had a video recorder. I'd, you know, and my mates had said, oh, we got this on video, we got that on video, we taped this and we watched it back. And the fact that you could do that was amazing. And we finally, in, I, I'm guessing, 84, 85, something like that, my dad finally bought a video. And I remember the conversations. I didn't really understand the context of them, but I remember going around various electrical stockists and looking at machines and my dad talking to the shop assistants and the words Betamax and VHS coming over and over again. And, and I guess because in his mind, what he was going to use it for most was recording off the TV and playing back and the record quality on Betamax was supposedly better. He went for the Betamax machine. Never really asked him why, to be honest, but I'm assuming that's why. And so we got a video. Happy days. So we joined the club of the video. And all was great, really, until the first Saturday evening when we went down to the local video rental shop. Obviously, before Netflix, when you had to go and hire a video on a Saturday night to, to, to watch at home. So you could watch something that wasn't programmed TV. This was revolutionary stuff. And the video shop had, it wasn't a big shop, but it had... I would say 90% of the shop full of VHS cassettes and about 10%, a little shelf with the Betamax ones. This was the problem. You couldn't rent 
nearly as many films on Betamax as you could rent on VHS. And I remember in video shop after video shop over the years, looking woefully at the Betamax selection and looking with envious eyes at the big VHS selection. And that, that went on in our family for a number of years. It, for whatever reason, people didn't buy Betamax. And eventually he bought a VHS machine and eventually I got one myself and then eventually DVD superseded video and here we are. I don't think either format is made now. But the reason I talk about Betamax is this. Um, I've worked in organisations where, and one in particular, where they had a product that was technically very good. Um, there were advantages to the product um, in terms of its serviceability, uh, its the, the quality with which it could be made. But it was slightly more expensive than the competition, despite the fact that despite this fact, there were certain advantages to it. But nobody wanted to buy it. Nobody wanted to buy it. It doesn't matter how much effort went into taking that to market and explaining to people the features and benefits that this product had over the standard run-of-the-mill, fairly agricultural project. It didn't matter because nobody wanted to buy it. And it's as simple as that, really. You can have the best product that there is. As far as its technical features goes and as far as various benefits of having it go. But if the market doesn't want it, you're selling a Betamax video. And ultimately that, uh, that product for that client started to dwindle. Now, happily for them, some years later, uh, it became a spare part for the vehicles that it had been on. And then you're in a nice niche market and the margins on spares were incredible compared to um, parts sold for bulk assembly on, on production lines, you know, on, on, a, on a vehicle this was in particular. Um, when they had the niche for sales, that was great because sales prices are much, much higher. But at the time, trying to convince clients to buy this product because it was technically better in fact, they actually had two, two products that were like that. Um, it doesn't wash. It's very, very hard to sell something that the market doesn't want. Now, that's not to say that you should only make things that people want. Because look at some of the great inventions that there have been, some of the great leaps forward in 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 technology through history that Henry Ford famously said he, if he'd asked the people what they wanted they'd have said a faster horse because everything was horse-drawn power he invented the motor car and initially it wasn't for the mass market Seth Godin talks a lot about this about it, you needing to find your first followers find that first tribe who are the people who really love your product and then build on that maybe that maybe Betamax didn't do that maybe that's why it ended up as it did but Henry Ford did with the car it was very wealthy motorists had it first and it grew from there and um, the jet engine and a jet engine a, an absolute transformative leap forward in the technology available to propel an aeroplane through the air um, it, it so different to a turboprop engine and actually, probably, if you'd gone to all of the designers of aircraft and said, what do you want? It might have been a more powerful turboprop. But Sir Frank Whittle developed something that was head and shoulders above that, completely different, and changed the game. And I think I'm listening to Steve Jobs' biography at the moment on Audible. It's a fantastic book. It's very long, but a very interesting look at a, 
interesting man. I'll talk more about that some other time. It's probably worthy of an episode itself. But a visionary who didn't ask the people what they wanted, who built products that he knew people needed. Um, and we end up with the Macintosh, the iMac, the iPhone, the iPod, the iPad, and all of these revolutionary products. None of those were born of market research. Done in a different way, as competing products of Apple's were, you could have ended up with another Betamax video. So it's the question that you have to ask yourself is, when you're selling a product, and I ask this of myself with, with the, the products and services that I provide for my clients, is if I'm pushing something, if there's something that I really, really want to, to do, if there's a service that I'm keen to, to provide to people, I have to make sure I'm just not pushing on and selling a Betamax video. Sometimes it might be something where you think, no, clients really need this. I need to do a bit of sales here, a bit of clever sales to, to get them to understand that that the need that they have will be fulfilled by the product that I've got, even though maybe it's a slightly different way than, than they'd envisaged. But if you don't do that, and if you're just blundering on and go, no, I'm, this is just brilliant, I'm, I want to sell this because it's the best thing in the world, to me, you can end up selling a Betamax video. So if you remember having one, you were maybe as uh, scarred as I was by the experience. Only slightly, I, I jest. It was a it was a luxury to have a video at all, um, and most of the time we did just record stuff off the TV. But I'll never forget the the disappointment, I guess, of going to the video shop and wanting to get the latest releases and not being able to. So, a short podcast episode, but words of advice is just something to bear in mind when you are looking at your sales, looking at your marketing, looking at the products that you've got that you think are great that the clients are really not going for. Just make sure you're not selling a Betamax video. Hope you enjoyed that. I really hope these are adding some value to you. I'd love to know. Let me know. Reach out on my LinkedIn, my Twitter handles are in the podcast notes. Let me know what you think. Uh, and I'll catch you next time. Cheers.